Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. I am your host, Dane Kramer. I am glad that you're joining me today. Today is sort of a special edition, a special episode. At least it is for me, and that is because I have a guest on the show. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had a, a guest, and it's kind of fun to let somebody else do the talking. And uh, I have another guest today. His name is David Servant. David and I have met a few times. We've talked. I, I consider him a friend. Um, and we haven't known each other long, but he's a great guy. Wonderful sense of humor, and that's one thing that I like about him. So uh, I was real excited uh, when he agreed to come on the show and uh, be a guest today. The topic for today's episode has to do with Jesus' words uh, regarding, well, in Matthew chapter 5, he said, if, if a person slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So what does it mean to turn the other cheek? Is that literally? Is that figurative? Uh, to, to be understood figuratively? You know, what is that? Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna turn to David, and he's done some research on the subject. He has some thoughts, and I'm anxious to hear, or I'm anxious for you to hear what they are. Before we do that, however, I do want to offer an apology. I recorded this over the phone uh, during my initial test. I was pleased with the recording, and then when we actually got into it, uh, it's not as good as I had hoped. I did my best to dress the recording up a little bit, make it a little more presentable. Um, and so my apologies also to David for coming on the show and then, uh, you know, having the recording go less than I'd hoped for. So, but without any further ado, I want to jump into today's episode. You will find uh, links on how to reach David um, in the show notes. So uh, look for that uh, below the, the link here uh, and you can find that on my website as well. So let's go uh, into the recorded conversation. Um, well, I want to welcome everyone uh, to the uh, episode today, and on the phone with me, and I hope this is recording well, is uh, David Servant. David, can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Great. All right, good. Um, now, uh, you're my second guest, and interesting enough, uh, the second guest that uh, is using um, a pseudonym. Uh, David Servant is not your real name, is that correct? Yeah, that is correct, and that's uh, only because the organization that uh, I serve uh, Heaven's family. Uh, we work in a number of restricted na- nations around the world, and uh, these days, uh, with the internet, you apply for a visa to visit a restricted nation. They will Google your name and see what they can find out about you. And if they find out that you direct a Christian ministry, they're likely to deny you uh, entry or deny you a visa. So, so that therefore, uh, on the internet and in other means, my name is David Servant, and that way they never discover. Uh, what I'm really up to when I'm coming to the, their country. <laughs> okay, all right. And I'm going to put links in the uh, in the podcast to uh, your website, to uh, your your blog, or, or anything, so that oh, any of the uh, listeners could uh, just go there and uh, you know click on and get more information about you. So uh, that'll be available. Okay, thank you. Um, now, the reason why I have you on the show today is I know that recently you blog and you do some blogging. Um, uh, I, I I've read, not all, but I've read a lot of your blogs that come through, and I appreciate your insight, and I know recently you've talked about um, passivity or uh, pacifism, and uh, I just want to talk to you about that. Um, I know in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said um, that uh, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the uh, left cheek, turn to him the other also. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. And a lot of Christians take that literally, uh, and that they would not raise a hand to someone, and some people see that sort of figuratively. 
Um, and so I just kind of wanted to, to get your thoughts on that, um, your thoughts on uh, passivism sure. or passive resistance, if, uh, if you would sure. just give me your input. Yeah, sure. Well, I think the first thing to say along those lines is that the Sermon on the Mount, obviously, um, was not spoken in a vacuum. Uh, it was spoken at a time and a place by a person in a historical uh, context, and that comes through loud and clear, even the one example of whoever you know, forced you to go one mile, go two. Well, everybody knew what Jesus was talking about there. That was apparently something that uh, a Roman soldier had the right to do anybody and say, carry my bags for, for one mile, and, and it was totally lawful under Roman law for him to do that, and Roman subjects like the Jews in Palestine had to, had to abide by it, and they no doubt chafed under that law, and gritted their teeth the whole time, and so Jesus is saying, I want my people to be different, like, like me, merciful, kind, gracious, more than, more than anyone would ever expect, and so if they force you to go one mile... Go, go to, you know, and, and, and that, that'll get their attention to, to say, what's different about you? How come, you know, you're not chasing, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're being kind and loving to me where I'm kind of being mean to you. And, and that, that's a, a method of, uh, of what I would call mercy shaming where, where you, you're, you're better to someone than what they know they deserve and that it causes them to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, Peter had one of those moments, didn't he, when he, uh, at his conversion, when he, he, he gets his boatload of fish, and it's more fish than he's ever caught in his career, and what the next thing that happens is he's falling down before Jesus saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. Yeah. And so they're a great example. So uh, when it comes to non-resistance and passivism and so forth, it's a, it's a biblical, clearly, a biblical idea, and uh, we ought to do exactly what Jesus said there uh, in that passage in the Sermon on the Mount, and when somebody offends us, you know, we need to mercy shame them by not retaliating and by by not seeking revenge, and of course those are things that were, you know, taught under the law of Moses as well. There are passages that talk about specific things that God expects his people to do to show love for those who don't deserve their love and to, to mercy shame them. Like, um, I'm thinking of a passage in Deuteronomy. If you, know, if you see your enemy's donkey straining under its load or collapse because of its load, you know, you go over there and you, you, you help your enemy to relieve the burden off of the donkey so he can stand back up and, and get going again. So that's, that's mercy shaming. Now, where I would uh, tend to differ, however, with some, would be the absolute pacifist who would take that couple of sentences by Jesus and extrapolate from it a doctrine that I don't think is consistent with the entire tenor of Scripture. Because, um, you know, we do see, even under the law of Moses, uh, God was telling his people to love their enemies and not never take their own revenge and, and to... to to be kind to those who didn't deserve it, but also we see him at times telling his people to go to war and to, to wipe out these uh, perverse nations in Canaan's land. And so there's, so there's a balance in Scripture that needs to be arrived at by considering all of Scripture. And, and I, I just don't think that what Jesus said um, in, in the Sermon on the Mount about turning of the cheek, I don't believe we should be trying to 
apply that in situations that would cause us to possess a greater commandment, like uh, love your neighbor as yourself. So an example I would use would be, you know, if, if somebody uh, breaks into my house and wants to murder my children or, or rape my wife, you know, do, do I just not resist, you know, and because that's what Jesus expects of me? Well, wait a second. Uh, Jesus said I'm supposed to love my wife and I'm, you know, I'm supposed to love my children, I'm supposed to love my neighbor, for goodness sakes. And so, in that case, it, will, it requires, love requires that I, that I defend the, the innocent. And of course, that's a biblical principle there. And, but that no. particular uh, illustration that you just talked about, uh, I've heard that, that in some cases, uh, especially with the Amish, that things like that have occurred where uh, stories in which uh, intruders have broken into, let's say, an Amish home because, you know, the Anabaptists are very much swayed by the Sermon on the Mount and are pacifists. Right. Um, right. And uh, they have assaulted people in the home and the, the, the father, the husband, um, did nothing because he felt that this was his call by Jesus not to interfere, which is right, yeah. remarkable, is it not? Yeah, well, he certainly had to be conflicted uh, during that process. Yeah. And, and, and again, as I said, the Sermon Mount was not spoken in a vacuum. Uh, it's spoken, it's in the entire context of the entire Bible. And so we've, you know, got a lot of examples of... Um, you know, the rightness of defending the innocent and, and being a protector and so forth. And so there are moral implications there. And I, I just can't imagine a, a, a man watching someone assault his children or his wife and thinking, God wants me to remain passive and do nothing. That's, that, that's loving the, the offender more than the victim. See, so so, so that's, that's where I would differ with, with you know, what, what I would call the absolute pacifist. So I'm not anti-pacifist, I'm not anti-non-resistant. Uh, I'm just trying to, uh, uh, you know, follow a balanced uh, theology of what this is, is expressed in the entire scripture, in the entire New Testament. I, one of my recent uh, blogs was um, titled, Five Times the Apostle Paul Didn't Turn the Other Cheek. And I cite five instances in the book of Acts where you conclusively, it's not even debatable that Paul did not, in certain cases, turn the other cheek. That is, he didn't give his offenders the opportunity to do twice the harm that they intended, because that is what turning the other cheek actually is, right? It's not just, it's not just non-retaliation. It is um, giving the opportunity for your offender to do twice the harm, to mercy shame them in hopes of winning them to your side and making a friend out of an enemy. And when you've got these three cases that Jesus cited, they're all minor offenses. Slapping on the cheek, going an extra mile, suing you and wants to take your coat. These are relatively minor things. The examples Jesus gave were not things like if your if your enemy wants to kill your wants to rape your daughter, you know, give away right. your wife. Also, you know, those, those right. types of things. Right, and, and that just makes that just makes sense. So, you know, we come back to the same old thing all the time. The, the, all all incorrect and all false doctrine usually has its origins, in my humble opinion, in in reading verses, taking verses out of their context and emphasizing one verse over another verse rather than 
looking at them and saying, hey, the whole Bible is true. I'm never going to hold up a verse and say, this is what I believe. I'm going to hold up the whole Bible and say, this is what I believe. Right. You know? Now, you, know, you can make the Bible say just about anything you want to say. You know, if you take verses out of context, you can make the Bible say oh, anything sure. you want to say. Sure. You know, and in, in the example that Jesus gave, and I'll just kind of run this by you. I've heard this. I can't confirm that this is what Jesus intended, but uh, he said, if anyone slaps you on the um, left cheek, turn to him the other also. Um, right. And, and it, interesting, uh, no, we're, we're right cheek. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, I'm sorry, right cheek. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I've heard it said that that, that could be significant. Um, if, if, if you and I are facing each other and, and you're right-handed, um, and as most population is, and you want to strike me on the right cheek, uh, you would have to backhand me um, you know, with, right. with your right hand to get to the right, right. cheek. And right. if that's what Jesus intended... Uh, this is more of a, a Middle Eastern insult, more of a you know, uh, just right. sort of backhand someone. Now I don't know, I don't know if that's what Jesus intended. I've heard that yeah. explained before like that. I don't know if that makes sense to you or if that's something you've heard. Well, it, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've also heard that. I've never been able to verify the you know the primary source of that, but it makes total sense because again, it's Jesus could have said if anyone punches you in the jaw, <laughs> you know, but he specified the right hand slap, you know, mm-hmm. and so it, 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 there's got to be something cultural going on here, and as you said, it's a backhanded slap that is an insulting thing, it's meant to sting, but it's, it's not murder, you right. know, it, it's not trying to take your life, uh, it's an insult, it's like spitting on you or something, well, if he could have said that, he could have said, if someone spits on you, don't spit back, Say God bless you, right. you know, and you know, just as he said, we're supposed to return, you know, blessing for cursing, and, and so these are minor infractions in, in everyday human relationships. Jesus didn't say if an invading army comes across the border, you know, open up the doors and and you know let them rape and pillage and carnage because that glorifies me. I, I don't think so at all. I, I I think what glorifies God is that we always act in love and every situation needs to be evaluated in light of, you know, what what would what would I do if I love my neighbor as myself? And when you've got several players, you know, in the equation, uh, sometimes you have to make a choice. And and, and, and here's the other thing, Dane. How are we loving a rapist by letting him rape our wife? Is that the best thing for him? No, the best thing for him is that he gets a, you know, he gets uh, he, he stopped in his tracks is the best thing for him. So he doesn't commit that awful crime. Mm-hmm. You know, so, again, love dictates that we're going to you know, use force to stop those who are about to make a huge mistake. And, and violence is always the last resort. I mean, even in Paul's case, you know, the, the fifth example I, I cited in my recent blog was when um, he learned about that plot of 40 Jews who have bound themselves under an oath. We're not going to eat or drink anything until we've killed Paul. You know, and they, they get the Sanhedrin in on their plot, but Paul finds out about it, and he's, he's ultimately escorted with 200 Roman soldiers over to Caesarea. And uh, so Paul cooperated with a very resistant plan, and a plan that could have resulted in the deaths and, and uh, the the casual casualties and, and harm to either some of those 200 Roman soldiers 
or 40 of those Jews that have bound themselves under an oak. And what does that show us, David? Well, what's, what's your, what can you... Well, I mean, I, here's one thing it shows us. It shows us that, that um, you know, Paul didn't say, well, you know, I've learned of this plot, and whatever God's will is, is God's will. I'm not supposed to resist. So tomorrow, you know, just send, send me with one unarmed soldier to, to, to the Sanhedrin, and if God protects me, he protects me. If he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, and, and whatever God's will is. He didn't say that. He cooperated with a, a plan to protect him that could have resulted in violence. And, and, and all I can say is it shows us that that's okay, and that Paul didn't take Jesus' words about turning the other cheek to be applicable that situation, because had he taken Jesus' words literally at that point in time, he would have had to have said, yes, turn up the cheek, so that means I can't resist these guys, these 40 guys, and the fact, not only do I have to let them show me, I have to bring another disciple so they can do twice the harm <laughs> right, that, that they intended to do. Paul knew that would be ludicrous. That's not God's will. He realized it's God's will for me to do what I can to protect myself uh, he learned that early on, you know, when he escaped Damascus. Um, he didn't resist with the violence. He didn't, you know, form a, mili uh, a military group to try to fight his way out of Damascus. He snuck out by being lowered in a basket, you know, over the wall in the, in the nighttime, which, you know, saved himself. Now, that sort of suggests uh, something we haven't talked about yet, and that is fleeing. Uh, that is an option, yep. is it not? Um, sure. With, uh, when we're confronted with violence and things like that, uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, that's always the best option because uh, you have the least chance of harm coming to yourself and to those who uh, would who would uh, harm you. And, and so, um, you know, just the best route is what Jesus said: when they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. Yeah, and so and if you think about it, you know, if you speak his words about non-resistance in the Sermon on the Mount, as some do then those words contradict what he told the disciples about if they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. Because fleeing is not turning the other cheek. Turning the other cheek requires that I stay long enough for the second slap. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, turning their cheek is not just non-retaliation. It's much more than that. It's mercy shaming through giving the offender a chance to do twice the harm. And so it only makes sense as long as the harm that I allow the offender to double, I'm, I'm not enabling, I'm not, I'm not committing sin myself. You know, right. And, and so, so again, we're just taking the whole Bible and trying to interpret what God's will would be uh, in light of everything that, that he said. And, and I think when you look at the certain amount, a lot of people miss that, that a lot of what Jesus said was clearly uh, meant to, to correct the false teaching of his day of the scribes and Pharisees. In fact, I think the final verse in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 does that. They were, they were astounded on this yeah. because he was, yeah, because he was not teaching as their scribe. Right. But one is having authority. Yeah. One is having authority. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, it wasn't like the scribes weren't, you know, teaching as if they had authority. So I take that to mean that Jesus was saying things a lot differently than what they had been taught by right. the scribes. And if, and if you study the Bible enough, you can see, you can see that. I think it becomes crystal, crystal clear. Everybody in Jesus' audience uh, uh, that day at the Son of Mount had spent their entire life 
under the false teaching of the scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> and so Jesus is just bringing out truths that have been obscured through all this false teaching and just reaffirming, here's what God meant in the Law of Moses. He and not just, introducing anything new, correct? That's, that's, that's what I believe, yeah. yeah. You know, that's what I believe. And, and, and because I, I could find all of that in the Old Testament. Right. I mean, I, right. you know, when, when, he, when, he said, when he said, for example, you know, whoever looks to him in the Lord, he's already committed all from his heart. At that moment, that's when that, that moral principle be true, it's always true. And I, and I, and I think... I think the tenth commandment, um, come here and his wife, you know, that has something to do with forbidding what <laughs> Right. You know, so that's a whole other subject in itself, but... Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, what are your... I'm just going just gonna to add, yeah, I'm just going to add that I think that the fundamental premise that's flawed, as much as I love and respect... Uh, Anabaptist, and I and I do love. Sure, her. I have friends. And I, I have do. friends who are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's the fundamental flaw in, in, in their theology. Looking at the Son of as if Jesus was introducing a new, higher standard that never existed before. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think that's correct. So. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I, I also understand that that's not the popular way of looking at it. Not just within Anabaptists, but I've, I've run into that yeah. kind of idea a lot. That in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus really raised the bar. Um, you know, yeah. as if it had never been raised before. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's understandable. A cursory reading could lead you to that. Sure, thought. Because uh, particularly those six you have heard, but I say to you, statements, you know. But when you realize many times Jesus wasn't quoting accurately, you know, any old covenant law when he said heard, and 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 when he gave the but I say to you part, his counterpoint, his counterpoint can often be found, can be found every in every case in the Old Testament law. So there was nothing new there. Mm-hmm. You know, loving your enemies, well, you know. Jesus said, um, you know, we should love our enemies because we're going to imitate our Father who causes his Son to shine on the good and the evil and his reign to fall on the righteous and unrighteous. But the point is, is that God has been demonstrating, not even through the biblical revelation, through natural revelation, that he is good to people who don't deserve it. He's been doing that since Adam and Eve. Mm. So loving loving your enemies... God's been teaching human beings that from day one. Sure, you know, sure. So it wasn't it wasn't a new concept. It was a it was a concept from creation. It was a concept found in the law of Moses. And Jesus just, of course, yeah, brings it up again because they were missing the point. There, there isn't a day that goes by that someone's not rolling up their sleeve and shaking their fist at God and and cursing him or saying you know saying something right. uh, about God and he. He absorbs that. He absorbs that loss. He absorbs that injury, and it is kind to them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and the sun rising on the you know good and evil, and the rain falling on the right. You know, I, I always should add that we we always view rain as negative. Mm. But you know, when yeah. Jesus spoke that, they were they, they were looking at both sun and rain as positive blessings from God. That's what grows our crops. You know, yeah. how we survive. Sure, sure. So we're just. Those were just two examples. Oh my goodness! You know, yeah. The list of proofs of God's mercy and kindness, uh, you know, to people that don't deserve it, right. is an endless list. 
right, right. So what are your thoughts on um, uh, military service, uh, being a conscious yeah. objector, maybe uh, during the draft and things like that? Yeah. Is this a, a Christian responsibility, or is it, a, uh, is it uh, a misunderstanding of Scripture? What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that, that's a little bit more complex uh, situation. It is, yeah. It's just me, me and my neighbor, and my next-door neighbor who slaps me on the cheek. Um, uh, so, uh, and it would take another couple of podcasts <laughs> at least go into great detail. So I, I would just say at this point that that's something that everybody kind of needs to work out themselves. Right. And, uh, and it has a lot to do with where you're living and the, the kind of the moral fabric of the society that you're a part of. Um, you know, I certainly would be telling any Christian who is being conscripted into the, the armies of Germany, uh, you know, back uh, during the I would be saying, oh, conscientiously object. And if they conscript you, you know, flee, run. Don't be a part of that horrible, immoral thing. But, you know, you take Israel today. Now, Israel calls their military force the Israeli or Israel Defense Force. So but they're, they're trying to send a message. Mm-hmm. We're here to protect. We defend. We're not aggressive. We defend. And we're not going to attack you. But if you attack us, we're going to defend ourselves. And sure. A lot of companies these days you know, go by that kind of label as well with their, with their military force. We're a defense force. And that's an honorable thing. That's a loving thing. That's a moral thing. That's a biblical thing, you right? Know. right. And, and so, uh, so those are the things that Christians need to think about as they consider military service. And and I'm of the persuasion right now, and I, I respect those who disagree with me. But I would say that in, in this day, that I feel fairly decent <laughs> about uh, the overall moral kind of uh, perspective of the American government regarding, you know, we're not invading countries and, and we don't, we're, not, we're, not, we're not involved in wars of conquest. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me that we are, we've been like the world's policemen. And, and, and again, the, the, it's a very complex issue and so forth. You know, we're right. war by war, conflict by conflict. I know that, you know, boy, you know, nobody can say that anyone's been perfectly moral. But if my country, for example, was involved in wars of conquest and invading and taking other people's land, you know, I know that's immoral. I don't want to be in that. Right. But if my country's being invaded by an evil country that wants to take over and rape and pillage and plunder, then, then that's a different story. I want to be a part of, the, of those who defend. And so that would be an honorable thing to, uh, to sign up for that kind of military service. So in general, I honor... Our, our uh, servicemen very, very much and, sure. um, uh, appreciate uh, the sacrifices that they make, and I think, in general, that morality is, is on our side, <clears throat> at, least, at least as of today. <laughs> in, uh, I think it's in Luke 3, if I'm not mistaken. Um, soldiers had asked John the Baptist, well, what do we do? You know, they had heard his yeah. preaching and were uh, watching the baptisms taking place, and different groups came to him and said, well, what do we do? And the soldiers asked, well, what do we do? And uh, he didn't yeah. recommend... Leaving the army, uh, you know, leaving. Oh no! You know, he I, he told them not, you know, just be content with your wages, uh, you know, and that's right. don't shake anybody down. <laughs> so that's right. You know, right. yeah, just live where you yeah, are. I think that's right. I think that's a telling mm-hmm. thing. Now, uh, and we, you know, again, I, I, we just need to be careful in trying to extrapolate too much from any one verse. You know, yeah. 
certainly there's no doubt that Jesus said, excuse me, John the Baptist said to those soldiers, you know, don't take money from anyone by force, you can their wages and so forth. Um, but had they been at a different time, in a different place, a different moral implications, maybe he would have said something differently, like get out of that army because, you know, they're raping and pillaging. But, but these guys weren't in that case. They were just occupiers of, of Palestine. Had some prostitutes asked John the Baptist, what should we do? <laughs> John, the Baptist, John the Baptist wouldn't have said, be yeah. content with your way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, that, that, that's it. And I guess I think everybody, we just use, you know, some common sense. I, I just think there's so many things that intuitively that we know hearts. Mm-hmm. And actually, theology, people's theology gets in the way. And we'll find one verse and say, aha, no one else seen that before. I'll be the great revealer of this truth at the body of Christ. (laughs) And then they go out there promoting their silly ideas and they get some followers and, you know, pretty soon they're, they're, you know, a denomination or something, you know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and, and people who aren't even Christians look at them and go, that's enough because they have enough this God-given sense in their hearts to know what's right and wrong. And unbelievers, unbelievers know it's not okay to let somebody rape while you passively watch and do nothing right. in the name of Jesus. Unbelievers know this. Everybody knows this. So, yeah. it's a shame when, when theology can mess with us. <laughs> sure, sure. And it's a shame when we stop you know, walking in the Spirit because I believe that God can guide us in those... Uh, everyday situations in which we may uh, face conflict and uh, you know, someone may address us and, you know, for walking in the Spirit, God may lead us to lay ourselves down, uh, you know, to absorb those injuries at times. Um, and at times he may lead us to do something differently. Uh, so, Well, no greater love than a man than this than lay down his greatest friend. Yeah. That kind of sounds like it would apply to, you know, resisting evil on behalf of protecting somebody else yeah. and the ultimate price. Well, that's a short of love. Sure. Act of resistance, it's an act of love. Yeah. 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 So I, I just I, I just think looking at the whole tenor of scripture, this is just a clue. Yeah. But I, I haven't been able to persuade everybody yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, when you tell somebody you're a pacifist, everybody wants to beat you up anyways just to test it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing, you know, testing of the pacifists, because I've got into some discussions with pacifists, become so nasty that I, it's just, it's, it's, it's funny. And in, in, in one sense, it's funny, because they're claiming they would, you know, not resist the greatest evil, but they, they can't even stand someone who disagrees with them doctrinally and cuts them off. <laughs> yeah, cuts them off, you know. Yeah. It's just... Uh, so what good does your pacifism serve? Yeah. That's right. You, yeah. They're just deceiving themselves. Yeah. There's, a, there's a movie that I, I love. It's a black-and-white old movie. Cary Grant's in it called Friendly Persuasion, and okay. it's about this Quaker family. And uh, the, the, the mother in the family is a Quaker leader, and her husband is a good guy, but he's not as sanctimonious as his wife. And so the interplay between them is just so funny. But they show this one scene where a guy comes into the Quaker service, and he's trying to get people conscripted to fight in the Civil War against the invading armies. And a man stands up, and he begins to speak defiantly why he will never fight. And he gives this bitter... 
<laughs> a speech about how we're called to love ourselves. <laughs> and, uh, and at the end of the story, when the invading, when the invading army actually crosses into their town, he's He's, he's uh, rallying the troops yeah. to go fight you. No surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that love has to, uh, uh, you know, kind of pervade our existence. It has to be, you know, a yeah. bit of us. And, uh, yeah, and it's so easy for us to fool ourselves. You know, if, if this happened to me, this is what I would do. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can all dream yeah. and think what great Christians we would be if faced with situations, sure. you know, Test us, uh, but we don't look at how we're doing. Yeah, yeah. How, how we doing? Yeah, good example. How we doing on a little everyday things? Mm. You know, if, if we can't get a, if we can't, uh, you know, turn the other cheek in small ways, we're never going to be able to turn the other cheek in mm. more significant ways. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, David, I really appreciate you taking your time to talk uh, with me and my listeners today. Um, I appreciate your insight. I really do. It's been a joy just to kind of listen to you walk through that. And, you know, I, I gained uh, some insight from that. And it's just it's fun to talk about. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, th- thanks for the opportunity. And keep up the good work on your podcast. Uh, I did listen to the one a few weeks back that I really enjoyed. And, uh, um, you know, you're glad you're using your gift. Oh, thank you. Um, With that, I am going to sign off on this podcast. Uh, This is Dane Kramer from the Thinking Christian uh, Podcast, and I look forward to having my listeners back uh, for the next one. Thank you.